UMass went up to North Andover for the second time in three weeks and got some payback, winning 3-2. We're breaking down this awesome win and getting ready for a big-time matchup Saturday against Maine. So let's go. Character. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 109 of High Character, presented by Homefield Apparel. UMass just got a really nice road win, a payback win at Merrimack. They won this one 3-2 to two in really exciting fashion, really solid effort all around from the team. Uh, and it was a fun way to kick off the weekend and a really fun one to watch. My name is Cameron, and as always, I'm joined by my good pal, Evan. Evan, how you doing, man? You know what's up, Cam. We're smiling. Big time dub, three to two. Oh, wait, I'm totally like spoiling it right now. But you know what? I'm having a great time, Cam. It was a great game against Merrimack and literally could not be more excited to talk about it in this episode right now. I'm feeling great. Let's do it. So uh, I do have a question for you before we get into it. Right. How would you feel if I offered you a free beer before the whiteout game against UConn next time. I mean, dude, with, with how with how happy I am right now, I could take free anything and I'd be smiling. But I feel like a free beer genuinely couldn't be much better in this moment. Why, why do you ask that? Well, if you guys come down to the hangar Saturday at 4 o'clock, Saturday the 10th, before the UConn whiteout game at Mullins, we are hosting an event with Homefield Apparel. Uh, there's going to be a live show. They're going to be selling their brand new line of UMass merchandise, which we've seen it. It's absolutely incredible. Some awesome creative designs. And if you don't know Homefield, Homefield is a premium collegiate apparel brand. They uh, they create really, really awesome officially licensed apparel, a lot of vintage college designs. They have over 150 schools and UMass is one of them. They have a really sweet UMass collection. And uh, we just got our Homefield apparel in the mail recently and uh, pretty damn happy about it. I'll say that. Yeah, no, I'm starting up kind of like a new like workout routine. Basically, I've been slacking on it over the over the winter, but I figured I'd start to get my life together. I went out for a walk today, trying to enjoy you know the decently nice weather. I ended up actually trying on the new hoodie. So I don't know if y'all have seen me without my high character hat on, but I'm straight up bald. I'm I'm straight up just I'm I'm buzzing this stuff whenever possible. Thanks a lot for my dad's genetics for the male pattern baldness. I'm I basically I got nothing on the top of my head. My head is prone to being very cold. I threw the hoodie on put the hood over my head, posty warm. Like the lining inside of that hoodie that I got was nuts. I think the design's really fresh. I was feeling nice and warm. Couldn't be happier with the stuff. Like you guys know me. I'm brutally honest when it comes to reviews, cough, cough, DP dough. <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and BS you guys about things. This is one time I'm like super into the product that I'm getting. Very happy to endorse these guys. Love what I got. Yeah, so like I said, they're going to have a sweet new line of UMass stuff, designs you've never seen before, and they're all going to be on sale for the first time ever at our event with them on Saturday the 10th. So uh, if you want to check it out, they're going to get a 20% discount on that new gear. Um, you're going to get a free beer courtesy of Home Field, which is really generous to them. Uh, and we're going to have a live pod. We're doing a, uh, a mailbag episode, so make sure you get your questions in to us if you have anything you want to ask. We're going to be doing that live there. Should be an absolutely phenomenal time Saturday, February 10th at 4 p.m. at the hangar. We hope to see as many of you guys there. It's uh, it's going to be a big help to us if they see that we get a big crowd coming. So hopefully before the game, we can get a lot of people there. And if you can't make it, that line is going to be online, homefieldapparel.com. 
We have a code HIGH24, that's H-I-G-H-24. Uh, that's going to give you 10% off on all that new apparel. So a lot of deals going around. Saturday is going to be an awesome time, and we we hope we can see all you guys there. Genuinely couldn't be more excited. I'm wicked excited to talk about the pod right now, but I'm going to be even more excited next weekend when we have this awesome event over at the hangar. Sweet. So uh, about this game, really fun. Uh, obviously, we're feeling great. Just a little uh, precursor. This was one of the few games I wasn't able to make it to. We did have Evan in attendance, um, and I was following along on TV. So we still we still know what we're gonna, talking about here, but wasn't able to make it this one. A little bit bummed out that I missed a solid win. Really happy you, about the you win. Missed a great game, Cam. I got into it with the Merrimack fans a little <laughs> bit. It was getting a little spicy up there in the stands, but I held strong. There was a there, I I had people surrounding me. I had I was with my people. I brought some people to the game. We had a bunch of UMass fans up in the section. We were out there supporting the boys right behind the bench. It was a great time. You could tell that they felt our energy. And we felt great support in them as well. So it was a great atmosphere overall. overall. Love to hear that. So uh, UMass first game in two weeks. Felt even longer, honestly, not getting to watch them for so long. But come back Friday night at Lawler, a place where historically it's been very hard to play at. Merrimack's always had solid teams, and that place kind of just gives us fits. Um, so last time UMass played there was three weeks ago. Um, they lost four to one, did not look great in any facet of the game. So a little bit concerning coming in, especially when you have this game and then Maine number six in the country the next night. You really want to get it, the weekend started off on the right foot. Taking a look at the lines, doesn't look like much changed at all um, in these lines. Still with the shakeups that we saw for the Northeastern game, um, Suniev, Musa, and Lashmelis all split up across the top three lines, which seemed to work out again. And then I'm just looking through. It doesn't seem like there's any more real, like, alarming changes in this lineup from last game against Northeastern. Yeah, I think the only big change, I think Taylor came in for Bo Cosman. Mm. I think I think that was the only major one. Yeah, I Taylor back off his mini-injury break. Yeah, exactly, which, oddly enough, was actually suffered, I think, at that Merrimack game. I think it was his wrist that got messed up. I think it was on a block shot. So, yep. you know, it's obviously good to have him back. I think, you know, he was doing his thing. He was playing very physically. He was riding some speed into the lineup. So, he was definitely a welcome addition. No penalties either. Huge. So very, very happy for him there. But um, yeah, I think the only thing that I'd like to add, I think was more or less in terms of the preparation for this game. If you guys were following us on socials, um, we ended up posting a little bit. Yeah, I think we were reposting actually. I think it was from the UMass Instagram. But um, they the, the boys were practicing at multiple locations this this week. Basically, they said, screw it. We're not going to Mini Mullins. I think they went up to Amherst College for one practice. I think yep. they went up to Deerfield Academy for the other. It was on an outdoor rink. I think the thought process behind that was having kind of a smaller rink size just to kind of prepare a bit better for Merrimack. Um, it kind of seemed like not having as much time and space kind of limited, you know, our, our offensive and defensive capabilities in that 4-1 loss. So I think Carvey was like, all right, we're going back to basics. We're going to practice the way that we're going to play. We hopped onto the smaller sheets of ice that, you know, we don't have at, uh, at many Mullins. So, it's definitely great, you know, to have a bit of a different preparation. I think it was it was better for the team overall because we got the dub this time around, and I think that was a pretty big part of it. Yeah, and it paid off pretty immediately in this game. Boys buzzing right from the start. Less than four minutes in, we see the uh, three-on-two odd man rush coming up ice. Puck goes from Mercury in the middle, Musa on the left side. Just a beautiful cross-crease pass from Musa to Cole O'Hara wide open in the slot he's able to tap one home the type of goal that you uh you score on your buddy playing shell um beautiful goal beautiful pass by musa and quickly it's one nothing umass 
Yeah, I mean, realistically, like, Musa didn't really have to do a lot to create this. It was just a very incisive pass, and sometimes that's all you need. Like, he really didn't contribute a whole lot to the buildup of the play. I think it was mainly Mercs that was doing a lot of it. He ended up tapping it across, and then beautiful pass over to, to O'Hara. And I'll be honest, that might be one of the easier goals that, that O'Hara finishes off in his, in his collegiate career. I mean, very, very easy tap-in for him. Great job to get the finish because, quite honestly – Zach Borgil was doing his thing tonight. So, I mean, you basically had to have a really clear-cut chance like that to score on him. We had a lot of chances in this game, and he was robbing us with that glove side. So the fact that we even scored on his glove side, it's surprising to me, but very happy that we managed to get that done. And great play overall from kind of a new-look, you know, line right there with, you know, O'Hara, uh, Merckx, and uh, Musa there. Not yeah, something think, that, we you know, we typically see. I think they kind of got caught up in a change there because uh looked like Mercury wasn't able to get off the ice. Musa and O'Hara yeah. are on a line with Connors right now. So um, nice to score when the lines are split up like that. Um, but yeah, really good one to get this game started. Throughout the rest of the first period, um, seems somewhat even. I, I would say watching the game, UMass had a slight edge in this period that only got better as the game went along, but kind of controlling the tempo a little bit. And this next moment comes against the grain of play. About uh, 13 and a half minutes into the game, um, Merrimack's killing a penalty. They have David Sacco in the box, and just as the penalty ticks down, he comes out. He's able to get a stretch pass from Merrimack's defensive zone. Uh, he finds himself wide open on the breakaway, and he's able to put one home. So really bad luck break for UMass with the guy coming out of the box at the perfect time. We've seen that happen a couple times already this season. I think that was the second or third, and yeah. just like that, it's 1-1. That's that's the thing that kind of gets me is that like I feel like this is the type of goal against where it's like fool me once, you know, shame on you or whatever. But then this is like either the second or the third time that this happens. Like this had to have been addressed at some point in practice, right? Like this is the number one type of goal where it's like, come on, boys. You know what I mean? Like I think Rabble was banging on the ice like for a solid seven seconds before this before this, you know, chance even happened. So definitely a bit upset about that just because it's something that I feel like we've seen before. And I feel like it's something that has been very clearly communicated to the team to be like, hey, if we're up on a power play right now, we're controlling the momentum, let's not give them any freebies. That right there was like, I feel like their first major chance of the game and they end up converting on it. And it's just a total backbreaker when I feel like we're, you know, dominating possession. We were getting really, really solid zone time in some key moments. Like, I think they were out shooting us at that point, but it didn't feel like it. You know what I mean? It mm -hmm. felt like we had more zone time. We were wearing them down. And then for a goal to go in like that, it's just like what the hell you know what i mean so i was i was pretty livid up in the stands just because i felt like you know this is something that we had to have had cleaned up already and it happens to us again i was i was a bit disappointed in the moment yeah i think that is the key to umass in this game they had a ton of zone time yeah. they didn't have a ton of shots to show for it throughout this game but a lot of zone time that continued through the end of the first into the second umass is able to kill off a power play at the start of the second uh and they get buzzing again we see another odd man rush type opportunity off of a really good pass that finds the stick of Kenny Connors. He skates it in the zone. Nice little no look pass back to Mora, who's in the high slot. He's able to roof one beautiful snipe job by Moro. And just like that's two, one, you mess. Yeah, no, Moro is just doing, he, I, I like to call him Moro magic. I think I'm going to start to like trademark that term just because like, that's what he does. Everything that Moro does this season has been pure magic. And I mean, I'm pretty sure Nathan Strauss, you know, I think he was he was kind of tooting his own horn a bit on Twitter. I think he was kind of calling this. I think I forget what he said exactly. I think he said that Moro 
is on like a he was before this game he was on like a three game pointless streak. I think that was like the longest of his collegiate career, which is an absolutely insane statistic just right off the bat at face value. That the fact that he has gotten at least a goal and assist in basically every other game that he's played ever up until this point is insane to me. And he was basically like, Scotty's due for one. He's going to get a goal tonight. Well, how do you do? You know what I mean? Like, there it is. You love to see it. And it was one it, that felt like a very deserved goal. You know what I mean? It's a very pretty goal, just right there, mid slot, top shelf, bang, beautiful goal. Really, no question marks about it. And I was, I was loving life. You know what I mean? I was screaming in the stands. I was starting up, you know, you like, let's go, you match chance afterwards. Merrimack fans hated me. They were yelling at me, like calling me every name under the sun. And I was like, scoreboard guys, we're winning, like smiling from ear to ear the whole time. So yeah, it was, it was great. And I feel like spirits were super high right about now. Nice selly from the kid too in the corner. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you saw that from where you were sitting, dude, but dude, uh... Scott Morrow's sellies are always elite. Like just, he yes. always goes on one knee and whatever he ends up doing with his hands, like he'll always have something new to do. And it's always electric every time he does it. It is. So that made it 2-1 UMass. Uh, like I said, really controlling a lot of the possession. About halfway through the second period, Merrimack gets a little bit of zone time, probably a little bit more than you'd want. Um, they're able to cycle the puck around a bit. They have the puck in the, the top corner on the blue line there, pretty far from the net. We see Frank. Oh, my gosh. How do you pronounce that? I'm a, I'm a, I, I think I got I think it's Jurasevich. Jur- yeah, that's how, that looks about right. I'd say. Fr- Frank Jurasevich, he has the puck near Merrimack's bench. He kind of just tosses one on. Really weak. I don't even think you should, could call that a shot attempt. He just puts one on Rabel. Somehow it sneaks past everybody. Rabel's able to get a pad on it. And Ethan Bono, he's right in front of the net for Merrimack. He's just able to tap one home. Um, kind of a weird fluky goal, in my opinion. And it kind of makes me think about this season, how the, the first goal was a guy coming out of the penalty box. This goal here was like a weird fluky. It kind of got through everybody. I feel like a ton of goals UMass has given up this year haven't been like the the standard like really high percentage opportunity or yeah. really pretty goals. They give up a lot of weird goals this year. Yeah, and I mean I I feel like that's kind of encouraging and discouraging at the same time. Right. Like, you know, it's it's great that it feels like a lot of the goals are like quote unquote undeserved. Like I know that's gonna sound really cliche and we're being biased, but like genuinely, if you go back and look at these, you're sitting there and you're like how did every single puck bounce go against us in this exact play? And it culminates into a goal. Like I'm sitting there thinking like, what the hell? But then like, it's also encouraging knowing that like, we're not getting beat super cleanly. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not like teams are just going tic-tac-toe on us and just making us look silly. Like we're still playing very solid defense at times. And, you know, I feel like, I don't know if it's necessarily encouraging or discouraging. Like when a goal is on the UMass defense, but like, I feel like, you know, you, you can make the argument that, like, if we're just getting straight up outplayed and, like, a goal happens from, like, a very, very nice, beautiful play from the other team, there's really not much that we can do. It's just we just got outplayed and they were just better. But, it like, I feel like we've had a pretty solid mixture of, like, you know, just getting absolutely outplayed, you know, at least earlier on in the season a little bit. But now you get these, like, weird fluky goals like this and it, you have to sit, you have to sit back and just think, like, what the hell's going on? You know what I mean? Right. So, I don't know. It's It's, it's kind of weird. I don't really know where i stand like on those types of goals but i mean luckily it didn't end up being the game winner so we're smiling you know what i mean like it's great but definitely a weird one i was i don't i wasn't mad when i saw that goal but i'm just sitting there i'm like we're out playing these guys i feel like this game should be three nothing right now and we're 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 tied two to two i'm just like we're gonna find a way you know what i mean with the way that we're playing we gotta find a way 
Yeah, we're tied two to two going into the third period when it really feels like it should it should be a UMass lead at this point. And speaking of game winners, really quickly into the third period, less than four minutes in, UMass has an offensive zone faceoff. They win it. Morrow skates in right about to the faceoff dot with the puck. Uh, it gets tied up. Mercury basically takes it off his stick. Seems like he's looking to pass. He throws it into the slot. It hits the skate of a Merrimack player and goes in the back of the net to make it three to two UMass. Um, talk about fluky goals. This was definitely one of them, but UMass takes the lead here in the third. That's the key, man. It's about finding a way. Like Lucas Mercury, I mean, I'm already thinking back to the Providence game where he ended up scoring with like 45 seconds to go. Like for some reason, he loves scoring game winning goals on defensively stout teams. Like he he'll he'll go through the game like not having many scoring chances, and then he just for lack of a better term, does that at the end of a game and manages to get the game winner. Like there'll be super odd bounces in front of the net, but he's out there somehow just cleaning up in front. That's always been his game. He's never one to just like cut in on the rush and nip it bar down. You know what I mean? Like he's scoring greasy goals out front and they will find a way in. That was exactly what this goal was. It's a perfect culmination of his offensive game. And I couldn't be happier. You know what I mean? Like he's been playing really, really well this season dramatic improvement from last season and i mean that's really all there is to it i'm just very very happy that he managed to get a game winner here yeah it was great to see the rest of this game um a lot of penalties here in the third period yeah it, it got really like, chippy yeah it seems like it got chippy the rest really tried to get this game in control uh to start it off we saw the classic hockey east cross check and an embellishment matching minors um owen murray i really don't think he deserved a cross check here after watching this back um, definitely was a flop on the Merrimack player, Zach Bookman, but uh, it's Hockey East. We're used to it. They get them both for this one. Mo two, another offsetting penalty two minutes later, Morrow and Matt Capone, it was a, a slashing and a cross check. Um, they offset there. Neither payoff for any goals. Later in the period, we see an interference call on Bookman again. Slashing call on Morrow again. Um, it was weird. He stick-lifted a guy with weak hands. The stick went flying out of his out of his hands. I don't... I don't really like how that gets called a penalty, but by by the book, that one is a penalty. So a lot of action here in the third period, but neither team was successful on the power play. Um, and that's how this one ends. UMass does a solid job defending here at the end of the third. Merrimack had their net empty for like three minutes, I feel. It feels like yeah. um, they're able to get the job done. No real crazy chances. And that's the game to start the weekend. UMass wins 3-2. to two, An absolutely phenomenal win to kick off the weekend, especially with uh, – uh, a really intimidating opponent coming to Mullins on Saturday. Yeah, and the main thing I'll throw out here, because, spoiler alert, we're not going to be end up giving this guy an award for it, but I think Rabble played very, very well tonight. Um, I mean, the first goal, basically a breakaway. What what can you do about that? And then the second one, I don't know. I mean, maybe you put that on him for having kind of like a weird rebound control issue right there, and then, you know, they kind of bury the rebound. But he had some very, very good saves, like just very poised, you know, always had the glove in the right spot, which – We've talked about on the pod before, his glove side's been a little weak. And it felt like in, you know, the majority of like, you know, when, when Merrimack had a lot of offensive zone time, they were trying to put pucks on net. I don't remember how many shots they ended up finishing the game with. I'm trying to pull it up right now. But um, they had. They ended up with 28 shots. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, they were, they were, you know, averaging a good amount. I think they actually averaged out the shots very well. 10 in the first period and then nine across, you know, in the second and the third. So. They were spreading them out very well, but, you know, they were just trying to put pucks on net and he was meeting most of them, you know, anything that was basically in the offensive zone, 
where there was like a cycle play or anything like where they're going low to high trying to throw pucks on net he had it covered for the most part so you got to give him his plot it's you know i think he played very very solid barring the second goal a little bit iffy could have been a defensive lapse because they probably could have cleared the rebound out a little better but it is what it is i think other than that he was a big part of why we won tonight he really was um he played phenomenally uh looked strong obviously the two goals kind of weird weird looks don't fully blame him for either of those so really happy with how he's playing back-to-back games I have a quote from Coach Carvel here uh, that kind of echoes everything we're saying. I think it was a lot like the Northeastern game, a little adversity, and our kids fought through. We're starting to win these close games on the road, and it's a great sign for us. Um, I have another Carvey quote that we'll talk about a little bit later in this episode, but um, pretty standard one here. I do agree with him. Um, Winning these road games is absolutely phenomenal for this team. I was – we have a, a graphic that we make for every UMass win. We got to pull it up every time they win a game, um, and I have it color coded. So, like the white, when we wear white, the jer- the the graphic is white. When we wear maroon, the jersey is maroon. I uh I had to go back a ways to find the maroon graphic since <laughs> they wore white at Northeastern two weeks ago. Yeah. Last time we won a game wearing maroon on the road, uh, the Harvard game on Black Friday. So. Uh, it's been a while, but feels really good to be to be winning road games, especially Hockey East road games where you get points out of it. Yeah, no, I mean, that was absolutely huge. You know, I think we're starting to build up the momentum again. I think we're starting to get those kind of, dare I say, character wins, you know, like. I would, defi- I would. Yeah, I, f- I feel like I feel like we're getting to that point. Like, you know, there again, I, f- I feel like, you know, Carvey kind of mentioned like we got some some adversity, you know, and then we fought through it. Like that was the key. I felt like earlier on in the season. We had a couple heartbreaking losses, you know what I mean? Now we're starting to really, you know, we're, we're seeing the team identity again. I feel like we're looking a lot better. So very, very happy with the way that the team played, and I'm happy that it culminated into, into a big win. Absolutely. What do you say we hop over to awards? Sounds like a plan. All right, so the first one we like to give out, CCC Carvel's Character and Compete Award. And uh, it's a little tough. We're used to doing these for two games, just one game to go off of today. Uh, but one guy, I think, jumped out for us in this game. It's Scott Morrow. He had a, a goal and an assist in this game. He was a plus two on the night all over the place. Obviously, uh, we've been talking about this season. His defense has improved dramatically. Um, I, I like seeing him play alongside Simone Ninasari because Ninasari is much more of a stay-at-home guy. Morrow can, yep. has a little more freedom to go out and, and use his offensive ability like that. So um, he looked like a great presence on the ice today. He gets his first point in three games like you talked about, uh, that longest longest pointless streak of his career. And yeah, just can't say can't say enough good things about the guy. He's been impressing us all season. Yeah, I mean, I was one of his biggest critics last season. He's been impressing the hell out of me now. Like he shut me up, admittedly. Like, and yep. I, I can fully admit that, and I'm totally fine with saying that. I feel like you you bring up a really good point, Kim. Like Moro and Ninasari together, genuinely a match made in heaven. Like Ninasari was the guy that I feel like we were screaming for last season. Like big, you know, not even really a big body. I think the guy's only like six foot. Like he's not like he plays way bigger than he actually yeah. is. Like, like you said, really big stay home guy. They actually ended up both combining. I know I'm talking about Ninasari a lot here for a Scott Moore award, but they both combined for seven total block shots. Like, I think that's by far the most out of like the any of the defensive lines. They both led the team. Nobody else had more than one. And they they so Ninasari had four block shots and Moro had three. That's wow. nuts. You know what I mean? Very, very good there. I and, you know, I'm loving that defensive pairing. I feel very, very safe when they're both out there. And I sure as hell could not say that last season because Mora was turning over pucks like a freaking bake sale. You know what I mean? Like, he, <laughs> he has improved so much in that category. 
I'm very happy with his improvement. He looks like the Scott Morrow of freshman year. Very happy to see that he's back. Yeah, it is great to see him back scoring points, uh, and we're going to need it against Maine. I, I think he's going to – how he plays is going to be monumental in how that game turns out for us. So good job, Scott Morrow. Happy to see him getting more CCCs this year than, than good tries. It's great, great sign. Yeah, seriously. And, Cam, if you don't mind, I'm actually – I'm going to ask you if we want to call an audible on our good try UMass award because I have – Maybe an idea here. I know we discussed it before we started talking on the pod here. I hear me out, Don's Loschmelis, and, I, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you what three for twelve on the faceoffs, right? I I really can't think of really a moment where he contributed a whole lot really offensively or defensively. He he kind of just had like a he was just kind of there type of game for mm. me. Like he was just the third line center. It feels like he didn't really it's not like he had any sort of like monumental turnovers or any sort of crazy blunders that led to goals or anything like that but he was statistically the worst guy in the faceoff dot by a considerable margin and i feel like he didn't really have a lot of redeeming plays because i me personally so full disclosure guys we were going to give it to kenny connors i can't in good conscience wow say that i wasn't gonna, i wasn't gonna leak that info i i was going to and I cut it out then. Then <laughs> you know what? It is what it is, though. I I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say Don Zoschmelis here. I I think that's my pick. I want to I want to hear what you think. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, the face off that's pretty glaring. Uh, we talked about in our our last recap episode, the Northeastern game. Uh, UMass had a really bad game in the face offs, and and Don's was a part of it. Five for thirteen in the face off dot on against uh, Northeastern. Um, another poor showing in the faceoff dot, and yeah, he's he hasn't really been a factor lately. Um, this game especially, I didn't. I don't think I really noticed him at all. Um, kind of, I guess, with he's had some moments this season where he's really shined and shown yeah. his potential, and it's kind of backed off of late. So we got we got a taste, and I, I think that's what's got us wanting more. Um, and, and we just haven't seen it lately. All right, I'm happy to hear that you agree because honestly, I mean, I don't know. I was just looking through the box score and just kind of looking through like my my overall eye test from the game. And then I, I saw the stats and I'm like, damn, you know what? They they do kind of tell a bit of a story because normally I'm not like, I'm not the type of guy that's like, oh, just look at the box score and you'll know who played the worst. Like there's obviously context. There's a bit of the eye test there. Right. And I feel like combining both, I think it has to be Los Melis. And I completely agree with your point. Like it's, it's 100% like we've seen him do brilliant things on the ice. Like he has a very, very bright future, but he, he just like a lot of, I mean, I wouldn't really say a lot of the, the freshmen on this team. It feels like some of our best players on the team are freshmen, but freshmen in general tend to be very inconsistent. I think that's kind of where he's at right now. He's still trying to build up consistency. Same thing with Rabble. You know what I mean? I feel like, you know, not everybody can be Jack Musa where he's just killing it game in and game out. You know what I mean? So yep. I, I definitely think the, the lack of consistency is kind of Loschmelis' weakness a little bit. And it'll obviously come with time and experience. You know, he's still adjusting to, you know, to collegiate hockey. It's going to get there eventually. But I think this was the kind of game where he felt a little bit out of his depth, in my opinion. Yeah, I think we're just looking for a little bit more World Juniors, Lush Mellis. Exactly, 100%. Yeah. All right, so yeah, good try. Uh, hopefully he'll uh, be a little bit better next time out there. All right, what do you what do you got for your custom award for this? Game? All right, well, I already brought up his crazy amount of consistency as a freshman, so I think if anybody's been paying attention really, really hard, you'll know that I'm talking about Jack Musa here. I'm giving him the Paper Airplane Award. Now, again, as I always like to preface these, hear me out for a second. Jack Musa, I think, according to Elite Prospects, he's listed as the lightest forward on the team. I think at like 172 pounds. I don't know how accurate that is. It might be up to date now. But my point is, 
he's one of the smaller forwards on the team. I wouldn't really call him like a big brick house type of guy, you know, like a Taylor or like a Mercury or like a Van Tassel. He's one of the smaller guys on the team, but dude, I'm calling him an airplane because he's flying around on the ice all the time. Similar to Ryan Lautenbach, just kind of, you know, I'm not going to go out with the full chicken with his head cut off routine like I normally do, but he's he's definitely flying around. His hand-eye coordination this game was off the charts. He was batting pucks out of the air, just looking very, very flashy with some crazy little one-touch deeks on the zone entries. He plays an incredibly skillful game, and he like I said, he was flying around the ice, just keeping the cycle going around the net, playing really, really, you know, just extremely skillful. I think that's the best way I can put it. He just plays with a tremendous amount of just natural ability. And that's why I'm calling the paper airplane, just flying around everywhere. But I wouldn't really say like paper in terms of weakness, but just in terms of perceived strength. Because yeah. you take one look at the guy and you're like, this guy's not going to be knocking people off the puck. And then you see him playing, you're like, holy crap. Like, what's going to be deceiving, man? So that's my award. He's very quick. And at the same time, he's a very calculated player. Correct. I've noticed. Yes. Um, he, he always seems to know where the puck is on his stick, like beneath him. Um, he's great with exact stick positioning for deflections and stuff in front of the net. Very calculated, uh, and also very quick and on his feet. And I think that's what makes him such a hard player to defend. So been a, been an absolute pleasure getting to watch him, uh, play and, and grow in his freshman year for sure. Yeah. The last thing that I'll add real quick is just, I think the, the, for me, the best part of his game, and I don't know if you agree with this, but I think he has a perfect understanding of what his own ability is. Yeah. He, nev- he never seems like he's doing too much, you know, like. Any move that he tries to do, it's because he knows that he can pull it off. He's not sitting there like praying, like, all right, guys, I'm going to try this one for the first time and we'll see what happens. You know, like he knows that he has the ability to pull off the moves that he does. So he never looks like he's trying to do too much on the ice. You're just sitting there and you're like, I'm watching a magician do what he can do. You know, like he knows exactly the extent of his abilities. And I think that's an extremely underrated part of any hockey player because you'll see guys with a lot of natural ability but they'll try and do way too much and they'll end up turning the puck over, you know, nine out of 10 times because they feel like they can just make the other team, you know, bend to their will. And then mm-hmm. they look silly when they try and do stuff like that. Right. He, every time, like you said, it's, it's part of being calculated. Like he can just look at a player, say, this is how much space I have. This is what I can do, you know, against him. And he just does it. He's almost like a robot. It's extremely calculated and he's an absolute pleasure to watch on the ice. I'm, happy and quite frankly privileged to see him out there because when I was doing all the scouting stuff, you know, preseason, I didn't think he was going to be a major contributor. I thought he was going to grow into that role, you know, across his sophomore and junior season. He's doing what I could, what I thought he could do in his junior or senior year right now. And I'm flabbergasted, but I'm very happy that that's exactly what I'm saying. I I hate to put unrealistic expectations on guys, but like guys, this, this dude is looking like freshman Bobby Trevino right now, maybe even better than Bobby was in his freshman year. And it's it's great. I I don't know if we have time to get into this, a full deep conversation like that, maybe maybe towards the end of the year, but like, yeah, I'm seeing a lot of parallels in their game. I don't know if you're seeing the same thing. It's I dude, I'm going to have to go back and look at some early Bobby because I don't want to look at this with too much nostalgia and start blowing things out of proportion. But I'm excited. I'll, I'll leave yeah. it at that. I am very, very excited to see what the future holds for, quite frankly, this program, but also all the players that are a part of the program as well. Yeah, it seems like we're giving him an award every week, so absolutely yeah. great to see. For my award, I'm going to give the Turning Heads Award. Uh, this one's going to Ryan Ufko. Uh, he played really well in this game. 
Uh, this award isn't so much for how he played, but what happened after the game. Um, Ryan Ufko turning heads of fans and turning the head of Coach Carvel, it seems like. And, and what Coach Carvel had to say about him after this game turned my head. I don't know if it turned anybody else's head, but he said, we gave Ryan Ufko the game puck tonight. He's so underrated in how good of a player he is. It's not even funny. After Kale McCarr, he might be the best player I've ever had at UMass. Um, pretty wild quote. I really, I think I need to sit on it for a little bit, but to hear Carvey say that he might be the best player after Kale, when you have the likes of Bobby Trevino and some of the other guys that have come through the system, that is some of the highest praise you could possibly give that, that comment really turned my head seeing that after this game. I, I totally agree with how good of a player Upco is, but to see him get compared to the likes of, of Kale McCarr and nobody else is nuts to me. Yeah, I mean, my knee-jerk reaction tells me that I don't necessarily agree right off the bat. Like, again, this is purely going off of my own head, and I could be misremembering things, and, you know, I might have a twisted and warped reality of people in my own mind. I completely get that I could be a part of that. But, I mean, well, right off the bat, I'm assuming Carvey means best defenseman next to Kale McCarr because no way in hell, in my opinion, is he better than Bobby. Like, I'm sorry, but Bobby was – a special talent in my opinion. Like, I don't know if I'm being too nostalgic. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But for me, I think it goes Kale, then Bobby, and then we'll talk. You know what I mean? Right. But, That's how I always operate as well. Like, and, but I mean, I'm just like, I don't know if we want to take a little trip down memory lane here. I don't want to keep this too long because we're recording at 1145. I'm going to get this thing out by the morning. But I mean, we've had the likes of Ferraro. We've had the likes of Mark Del Gaizo. We've had the likes of Zach Jones. We have, you know, Matt Kessel. We have had some unbelievable defensemen to be a part of this program. I'm not saying that Ryan Ufko isn't. Like, we also have Scott Morrow. You know what I mean? Like, we had, like, I don't even know if he's necessarily the best defenseman on his own team right now. Like, we'll see. Like, I feel like there's, I might, Ufko very well could be better. I feel like it's worth a discussion, though. And that's why, like, as a knee jerk, like, immediate reaction, I have my doubts about my own personal opinion. Obviously, Carvey sees this guy train day in and day out. He knows, you know, everything about this guy, essentially. We're only seeing the game time. He could be a different animal in practice and just he could be talking about overall character and how he carries himself professionally and all these crazy things that go into your judgment of a player, you know, holistically. I don't see all that. You don't see all that. We as fans don't see all that. He could be completely right. It's all it's all subjective. You know what I mean? This Mm -hmm. is just his opinion. Me personally, I feel like there's there's conversation to be had about most of the upper echelon defensemen that we've had. I feel like you can make a really, really strong argument for any of them. So I don't know if I necessarily agree off the bat, but that is not meant to take away from his, you know, his skill and what he's brought to this program. He has been a monumental ambassador for UMass hockey, and I'm very, very happy that he's a part of this program. But I don't want to discredit the contributions of everybody else that's also came before him. You know what I mean? But absolutely. And yeah, we're not, we're not disparaging the player. He is, he's an incredible player, um, incredibly consistent throughout his three years so far at UMass. Um, these numbers are from, from Nathan Strauss He plays 26 and a half minutes a game, which leads the team. Um, he's on both special teams units. He's almost, he's almost at a point per game player in his, in his college career. He's approaching his hundredth game. And, and obviously he has to see on his chest. So a lot of big numbers there. He's been an absolutely phenomenal presence for this team. And I, I think it's pretty damn clear now that he's he's Carvey's favorite player. I mean, yeah. he, uh, the the newsletter that Carvey sends out to to fans 
Um, he included the photo that of us with Ryan Ufko when there yeah. were so many other options to choose from. He picked the photo with Ufko um, to to talk about us being there. So um, I don't, Carvey clearly loves this guy. This quote, I don't know, it might be a little emotional after a, a tight win. Uh, who knows? But yeah, just turned our heads. Don't don't necessarily disagree with it right off the jump, no. but just a, a head turner of a quote for sure. For sure. And I mean, I think I think the biggest thing that we've kind of detracted, I think, from this season and his performance, there's no way in hell he's coming back last no. year or next year. No. So let's try and enjoy him and, you know, understand what he's bringing to this team while he's still here. You know what I mean? He's only 20 years old and he's in his junior year of hockey. This guy came to us extremely young and he was able to make an impact directly off of his freshman year. That's unbelievable. You know what I mean? Like a lot of big time contributors that are freshmen tend to be older guys. Like I'm pretty sure Jack Musa is already 20. Jack Musa is a freshman and he is the same age as Ryan Ufko, who is now a junior. <laughs> like what the hell is going on here? You know what I mean? So there's, there's definitely something to be said about just like his growth and his contributions, especially with how young he is right now. So definitely Ufko, unbelievable player. He will be sorely missed when he is done with the season, but I think if he keeps playing the way that we're playing, we're going to be seeing him for a couple extra games in the playoffs towards the Natty tournament, I think. So hopefully we can enjoy him for as long as humanly possible. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I just thought we needed to, to, to break down that comment from Carvey a little bit. It needed to be discussed. Yeah, for sure. All right. So uh, anything else in this game before we jump over to our next one? No, I think I think that's enough discussion for this one. All right. So uh, very, very quick turnaround. The reason we're doing this episode is so late, like Evan said, there's another game on Saturday. Maine, number six team in the country, is headed to Mullins to play us just 24 hours after this game. Very intimidating opponent. They were, uh, I believe, number six in the pairwise before today. It might have changed because they took a tough loss today Yeah. Um, at Northeastern. They lost six to three. But other than that, they've had an absolutely phenomenal season led by former UMass assistant Ben Barr. Um, they're fearless leader over there. They're still number six in the pairwise right now. Um, they, like I said, they're just having an incredible season. 16, five and two. They're eight, four and one in the conference at home. They're eight, oh, and two. So undefeated at, um, at their home arena, Alphon six and five on the road, um, which leaves a, a bit to be desired there, but they've had an, a great year. They beat number one BC at the time they beat, uh, ranked New Hampshire. They have wins against actually looking through they don't have a lot of crazy wins they have a win against quinnipiac who was number five at the time um but yeah uh two losses to bu their schedule is not the most intimidating but they have clearly been a force throughout this entire season i mean you got to remember too they're playing they're playing in one of the best conferences in america right now exactly so, I mean, even even when you say that you know they might not have any crazy wins on paper they're playing very very solid team like they, they don't have any cupcake games you know what i mean like i'm not even right. looking at their schedule right now but like if they're playing most of their hockey use games you know any hockey use game's a tough one we just saw against freaking northeastern we beat northeastern you know what i mean like at their home place and we beat them earlier this year at ot at, at you know at umass if we're going to do with the whole circle of parody you know idea that means we're going to crush Maine. you know what i mean so <laughs> who knows what's going to happen but it'll be great to have you know ben Barr back it's not going to be his first time back since taking the head coach job but we always love to have him back. He's, you know, he's a national champion at the end of the day. So yeah. he's been doing amazing things with Maine. And the two most amazing things on the team right now are the, the, the how do you even say it? The Nadeau brothers? Nadeau, yeah. Yeah, the Nadeau brothers. Everybody's been talking about Bradley Nadeau because he was only like 18 when he got drafted to Carolina. I think he was a first round pick. He was like 30 overall or something like that. 
His brother Josh is actually outpacing him in points right now. Granted, I think he's like two years older as a freshman, so that's why nobody cares because apparently age is the number one thing, not production, which I think is a little weird. But, you know, they're both absolutely nuts. Like, we were we were talking about Lyndon Breen being super scary last season. He's third on the team right now, and he's not even leading the team in assists, which I think is what he was doing last year. It might have been goals, I forget. But he he's still a point per game himself. So, you know, this team is extremely dangerous offensively. Their top line is absolutely ridiculous. Their goaltending, Victor Osman is not the same guy that he was last season. He was absolutely insane last season. They actually, their backup goaltender has like some of the nuttiest stats I've seen so far. He only has six games played, but he's rocking a 1.6 goals against average and a 932 save percentage. Wow. Grant, granted, limited sample size. We don't know who exactly he played against. But actually, wait, I have a lead prospect premium, so I could actually see exactly who he played against, I think. Give me one second. I'm going to pull this up. He well, played for the people that that continues some uh a lot of recent goalie success for for Maine. Uh, yeah. Victor Osman's been there for a couple of years. He's Swayman. been really good for them. Yeah, I, I was just getting there. Jeremy yep. Swayman, um, He's current in. Bruins goalie and All Star this year yep. in the NHL. So, um, a lot of good goalie talent coming out of Maine as well. Yeah. So it's looking like so he has a record of three one and one. His big time performances were. One game in relief in a five to four loss to BU, but he only has one game under a 900 save percentage. It was an eight nine five in a two nothing loss to UConn. He has wins over UMass Lowell, UNH, and Colgate. Let's be honest, this guy is not really playing against the big dogs. You know what I mean? He hasn't had a start against a I don't think a ranked opponent in any capacity. So. He's, and I mean, he's probably not going to end up starting tomorrow anyway. Realistically, it's most likely going to be Osman. It seems like Osman's kind of been there. You know, when, when we're playing a really, really solid team, that's who, that's their starting goalie at the end of the day. So, I mean, I don't know. He gave up, he gave up five goals against Northeastern on Friday. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. It's just, I feel like, I don't think Ben Barr is the type of dude that make like a knee jerk reaction like that. I think mm -hmm. if he has his trust in somebody, he's going to play him. So we'll see how it ends up going. But who knows? It might not even be his decision anyway. They might even have a goalie coach. You know what I mean? It's just like asking Carvey what he wants to do with the goalie. He's gonna be like, "Well, we have we have you know masters to do that." And so I mean, yeah. who knows? That might you know that might be the similar situation up there. But we'll see who's in net tomorrow. I'm assuming it'll be Osman. But who knows if they end up throwing? You know, I don't, I don't even think I said the guy's name. I'm like totally disparaging <laughs> right now. Albin. Oh God, Boyha Boyja. He, he's Swedish, so the J might be an H sound. I don't know. But he's had some really, really good stats so far. If he's in net tomorrow, we'll see how it goes. He hasn't really been tested against the, you know, a really, really good team like UMass. We might be able to light him up and ruin those stats a little bit. We'll see. Yeah, and goaltending isn't even like the the story for this team. They no. get it done with their firepower offense. Yep. We already talked about the Nadeau brothers as well as Lyndon Breen. Um, they're really, really good on the offensive side of things. This team scores 3.8 goals per game, which is really, really high for a lot of the teams we've seen so far. Um, their power play and their, their penalty kills about the same eight and a half, 18 and a half percent. So nothing too crazy there. They're pretty disciplined from what I could tell. And they're really good in the face off that as well. So, uh, pretty well-rounded team. They only give up 2.5 goals per game compared to their 3.8 they get. So, um, there's there's really a lot to like in this team, um, but like we said, as of late, um, been coming down a little bit. They ran into a, a hot Northeastern team on the road, which wasn't great for them. But before that, 
two big wins against Lowell. They actually they lost to UConn, which was another surprising result the Ooh. week before that. So this team is very beatable on the road. They've proven, which which improves our chances. I like I like UMass's chances tomorrow. It'll be a tough one, but I think they have a good chance to get the job done. Yeah, Cam, not to disparage your high-level analysis there, but basically everything that you just said sums up this exact sentence. Top six team in the nation is good. <laughs> like that's yeah. basically what you yeah. said. Like they are they are elite in you know most facets. They wouldn't be ranked top six in the nation if that wasn't the case. This is a very formidable team. But like you said, a couple of should I say stunning losses? Maybe when you look at like the rankings and the pairwise, they might be not expected. Welcome to the world of college hockey. Anything can happen. I, I genuinely really do back our chances against them tomorrow. I think we're riding the high from the Merrimack game. I think they're going to be riding a bit of a low. They they might be the hungrier team. Who knows? They might want to get some revenge. We'll see how it goes. But I think if we if we play similarly to how we did tonight, I think we're, I, I I definitely back ourselves to to get a big win, especially on our home ice. They're not used to playing on the bigger sheet. They're not really the best team away from home anyway. You know, we, everybody knows that Alphon is a very very difficult place to play. They take advantage of that home advantage whenever possible. I, I'll be honest, I don't love our chances when we go up to Maine at the end of the season. I think it's our last series of the year. Yeah. Who knows what's going to happen there. But for this game at Mullins, I really do like our chances against them. Yeah, and a, a win would really, really improve the conversation in terms of an at-large bid for this team yes. into the postseason. Uh, after getting a nice win against Merrimack, who's decently high up in the pairwise, I think they're uh, they're 31 right now. So it doesn't move the needle a ton for our pairwise ranking. Getting a win against number six would be absolutely massive. Um, then you look down the schedule. The only game that could really mess up things after that is that series against Lowell. But you put yourself in a really good spot if you get a win here. And you put yourself in a really good spot if you get the three points for Hockey East. UMass is in fifth place right now behind Maine, who's in fourth. They get all three points tomorrow. UMass moves into fourth place in the Hockey East standings, which you love to see. We always talk about it. You need to be at least fifth. So, Big implications for this one. Happy to get the win today against Merrimack. Getting the win against Maine and getting a six-point weekend would be thrilling. We'd be over the moon. Just got to keep the momentum going. Yep, that's really that's what it's all about. It is. So uh, I think that is everything we have. We'll, we'll talk about the out-of-town hockey scores in the next episode, which is going to be coming just a day or two after this one, so you won't have to wait long for those. Uh, I think that is everything we had. Again, want to remind you guys, we have a really, really fun event Saturday the 10th at four o'clock at the hangar. We'd love to have as many of you guys there as possible. Um, it'd be it'd be huge for us and, and we wouldn't we couldn't appreciate it more. You're gonna get a free beer out of it. You're gonna get a discount on some cool gear. So um, hope to see all of you guys there. We're gonna be posting about it on social media coming forward. And make sure you send us your questions for our mailbag episode. Um, we'd love to hear what you guys have to say. And I think that is everything we wanted to talk about. So yeah. thank you guys for listening. Tune in in a couple of days when we recap this main episode and uh, go UMass. Go UMass. Take care, everybody. Can't wait to see y'all at Mullins tomorrow. Let's welcome Ben Barr back home once again.